I can remember one Christmas, I had made a specific request to my grandmother about a present that I wanted. Um, It was a particular Batman toy. And as this little boy, I had uh, really wanted a very particular Batman toy. And my grandmother knew nothing of Batman. So um, when she went to the store and she went looking for this particular toy, she did the best she could. She got something close, but it wasn't what I asked for. So Christmas came, and I unwrapped the gift, and I was upset because it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, But she had put all this time and all of this energy into trying to find this gift for me, and I was ungrateful for it. Um, Maybe some of you have had similar experiences where you've prepared a gift for someone, maybe a friend or a family member, something that you thought they would really like, you are really wanting to make them happy, and they just did not receive it well at all. Um, Sometimes when it comes to, to gifts, especially the more precious the gift is, or the more effort, or the more we have to sacrifice in order to give that gift, the worse it is when somebody doesn't accept it. The more it hurts. Um, I had reflected upon that years later and realized how upset I must have made my grandmother, despite her best efforts, to get me what I had asked for. But today, I bring up this concept of gift because there is the greatest gift that God could give us being given to us in a special and unique way. And we celebrate that gift today in a special and unique way as we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. That Jesus Christ would give himself totally and completely to us in the Eucharist. His body, his blood, his soul and divinity. God holding nothing back from us. And yet, unfortunately, there are some in the church who just don't care. I mean, imagine if you were, um, imagine if you were getting ready for your wedding, ready to give yourself to, to this person who you think will love you tremendously and be with you for the rest of your life, and then there at the altar rejects you. That would really hurt. And yet, sometimes... When people come forward for Holy Communion, that's what they're doing to Jesus. Here he is, giving himself fully and completely to us, loving us. And how well do we receive this gift? The saints, when they receive this gift well, they go into ecstasy. Like, they lose track of everything that's going on around them because they're just with Jesus, the one whom they love. And they know who he is. And they know what gift he's giving them. And that union is just just a taste of heaven here on earth. Because that's what heaven is about, is being with God forever. And in this special and unique way, our Lord is giving himself to us. Jesus, in the diary of St. Faustina, complains to St. Faustina that some people come to communion and they treat him like a dead object as if he's not really there, and how much that hurt him and upset him. But the reality that this gift is Jesus is presented to us even in our readings. Jesus tells us in our gospel passage that it's really him. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. 
And the bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. He's telling us the Eucharist is him. And then this is perhaps one of my favorite lines in Scripture. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. What kind of life is he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. He's saying, this is how I give you a share of my divine life. This is how I make it possible for you to be in heaven, by having this grace that I offer, along with my very self, to you, out of love for you. Jesus wants us to be with him forever in heaven. He wants us to receive this tremendous and awesome gift of himself, because he is perfect. Perfect in his divinity, but also perfect in his humanity. And he wants to make us perfect by being united with him. He wants to make us more loving by being united to him who is love. And so Jesus is giving us this tremendous and awesome gift. When we heard in our first reading about the manna, that was just a prefigurement, something to prepare us for this greater gift of himself in the Eucharist. We even heard from St. Paul in our second reading, it's not the bread that we eat, the body of Christ. It's not the blood, the wine that we drink, the cup of blessing. Is that not the blood of Christ? He's saying, we believe this. We believe this is Jesus. And so our scripture points to that. And if we were to look to the church fathers, we would know that they say the same thing, that this really is Jesus. If we look to the official teaching of the church, we would know that this really is Jesus. But it's hard for us to understand and accept that. When we think about this being Jesus, we might wonder how, because it still looks like bread and wine. When this question came up and became a huge problem in the church in the 11th century, they created a new word to help explain what we've always believed. And that word is transubstantiation. And I think that's a really big, long word. But it explains what's happening. Trans meaning change. Sub meaning under. Instantiation means uh, what's underneath. And so what's underneath the appearance is changing. It still has the appearance of bread and wine. But what it is, is no longer the same. What it is, is now Jesus. And this happens by the words of Christ being said again by Jesus through his priests at the altar. Through this, Christ becomes truly present. And this is an awesome gift, a miracle at every Mass, that what once was bread and wine, something pretty ordinary, becomes the God of the universe who gives himself fully and completely in order to make us perfect, in order to make us able to be with him forever in heaven through his grace and receiving a share in his life. But the Lord knows that that is still difficult to believe even though we may have ways of explaining it, even though we have all of these reasons to believe. And so, in the Middle Ages, when doubts were common, when heresies would be attacking this belief, the Lord came up with other ways of trying to help us believe. Eucharistic miracles. You've probably heard me preach about them before and tell you about this great event called the Eucharistic Miracles Display Board Exhibit uh, from the Vatican. It's here at ICD right now in the parish hall where you can see over 131 Eucharistic miracles that are approved by the church. 
Different display boards explaining what happened. Bread and wine after the consecration becoming Christ, also becoming human flesh and blood, or other miraculous things. We have a great opportunity to go deeper in our faith, to see how God is trying to reveal this truth in these other ways, too. And this is an awesome gift. This is a great way for us to grow in our faith. But we can also encounter the Lord truly present in the Eucharist in our prayer. I remember once when I was in the seminary, we had what was called 40 hours of adoration. And the way that they did it at the seminary, the seminarians who were going to be there for that hour would be on kneelers directly in front of the altar where Jesus was on display in the monstrance. And as it was my turn to be there in the chapel, in front of the monstrance, only a couple feet away from my face, I was praying. And as I was praying, I was telling the Lord, I was asking him, uh, I was kind of a little bold in my prayer. I was like, Lord, show me something awesome. Show me something extraordinary in this hour. And um, I wasn't sure what the Lord was going to do. And then I was starting to think, should, should I really even pray that way? Like, I'm kind of asking for something special and unique and awesome. Uh, but anyway, as I was looking, all of a sudden I noticed the reflection of the glass on the monstrance showing me, not only me in the seminary next to me, but the entire rest of the chapel. And the chapel was filled. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Because, like, when I came in, there was maybe one or two other seminarians in the pew. And now the chapel's filled? And so I was kind of, like, praying with that. I'm like, should I, like, turn around and see if people are actually there? Uh, What's going on? And as I was praying with that... Um, I realized that the Lord was showing me that through Him, we're united to the whole church. We're united to each other. That in that host, in a way, we're being connected to one another. And that's true, because through our union with Jesus, through Holy Communion, we're united with each other in the mystical body of Christ. So as I was looking at Jesus in the monstrance, I was also seeing the reflection of everyone in the pews, and as I thought about it, it was probably just a uh, group of students from a school coming and visiting the seminary who were very pious and quiet and came in without me noticing and then sat and filled the pews. But still, it was a good experience for me. It really made me kind of go deeper into the Eucharist and union with Christ and what that means with regards to union with each other. In fact, St. Paul talks about that in our second reading. He says, just as there is one loaf, that all become one. We are united together through the Eucharist, through our one Lord that we have. And so, while that wasn't a miracle, it was very interesting that God's grace was at work to help me notice that, that He did give me something. He did give me something special in that time of prayer. A greater realization of who He is, and what it means that he's truly present in the Eucharist, and how that unites us together. And this belief that it's really Jesus then requires a response. I mean, when we come forward for Holy Communion, we have to recognize that this is the God of the universe. So that means we can't just receive communion as if we're receiving a cracker, or a cookie, or something. Um, Unfortunately, someone had told me recently uh, that they had seen someone, a little girl, 
who had come up for Holy Communion and taken the host, and then was just kind of chewing on it, little bits and pieces, walking down the aisle, like, no, don't do that. This is God. If you receive him, take the whole host into your mouth. You can't just, like, take bites off of it. Who knows what happens to those little particles? Even the smallest little crumb is still God. And so if a host were to fall to the floor, maybe that never happened, but unfortunately it does, you might have seen it happen. And if I was the priest who saw it happen, you would also notice that I would purify the floor immediately afterwards. Because it's still God. And I don't want someone to step on him. So when we realize that this is really Jesus, it affects what we do. It affects how we interact. It affects our celebration at Mass when we know that this is the Lord. St. John Vianney noticed that people were not responding very well to this reality. His solution to the problem of people leaving early, even though the God of the universe is in them and they're just kind of not paying attention to this reality and just leave right after they receive communion, don't do that either. It's a sin. Uh, What he would do to respond to that was he would have the servers carry a candle and walk with that person outside. And when the person would uh, turn to the server who's holding the candle and ask, what are you doing? They would respond, Jesus is still within you. Because he is. As long as what once was bread still looks like bread, the God of the universe is still there. It takes approximately 15 minutes for the digestive system to break down the host. Which means for that time, the God of the universe is physically present within you. And so that's the time that you should be really praying, really uniting yourself to the Lord, not carelessly going about and leaving right after communion, not thinking about what you're going to do for dinner, but spending time with the God of the universe who gives himself fully and completely to you, this wonderful and awesome gift. This is something very precious, something very holy. So we should live out this belief. We do have one more talk in our presentation series at 2 p.m. today. It'll be by Father Anthony Gerber. He's going to talk to us more about how to encounter our Lord in prayer, especially in the Eucharist in adoration, and uh, talk to us about prayerfully experiencing the real presence of our Lord. So 2 p.m., South Parish Hall, if you'd like to hear Father Gerber talk about that opportunity of going deeper with our Lord. But in this next moment of silence, let us reflect upon the reality of Christ's presence in the Eucharist and how we should better live that out in our own lives and what that should mean in how we live our relationship with the Lord, how we respond to this loving gift of himself fully and completely being given to us in the most Holy Eucharist.